Fire Industrial Marketer, and welcome to the Manufacturing Marketer Podcast, a show dedicated to all the small marketing teams working at companies that make stuff. We're your hosts, Brendan Forrest and Mary Keel, And like you, we both cut our teeth in-house at manufacturing companies. Today, we are senior strategists at Gorilla76, an agency dedicated to building revenue-focused marketing programs for industrial companies. Our aim is to help empower you to get a seat at the table and move the needle forward on your goals. Today, we are continuing our conversation from last week with James Beckman. James is a content director and writer at Gorilla76, and he has written a lot of marketing emails. So James, we are so pumped to have you here. Um, we had a really good IML with you last week talking about email marketing. And so we just wanted to dive further into that conversation and get people some tips and tricks and tactics for them to go forward with their own email program. So um, we don't have a ton of questions provided. So let, let's just talk about like, James, what do you think like makes a good marketing email? Well, I think that the best marketing email for your customer will one provide utility for that customer. Mm. Um, so what do you mean by utility? Yeah. So I think what I probably, the word I probably used a lot in industrial marketing live was probably value. But I think there's, if you're thinking about like the difference between value and utility, the email needs to have something that the reader can use mm-hmm. in their job. Like this is a, the email inbox is a to-do list for probably 90% of people that open their inbox. And if your email consistently provides utility, people will not stop opening it. People will open it every time. Um, and no one will unsubscribe. Because they'll they'll feel like opening that weekly email is a part of their job. The best newsletters, when they hit someone's inbox, the re- the only newsletter that I actually have not unsubscribed to is one where when I get it, I feel like, okay, this is something that I can consume in less than five minutes, and it will help me do my job. Um. Beyond that, if you really want to be excellent, it's, you know, making it enjoyable, personable, um, you know, just a positive experience. Um, you know, maybe people need doom and gloom experiences to do their job, but if, if they could use a positive experience to do their job, again, that's just like the next, that's then the next level. But, you know, I think you, you're, putting the cart before the horse if you prioritize that because I don't think I'm receiving a whole lot of emails that actually provide me utility. So I don't think a lot of companies are hitting the utility part. And um, you know, you'd be you'd be missing the point if you skip to being um compelling and funny and you know exciting and all of those things without providing utility because you'll just tire people out. Um, without giving them anything they need. Yeah, I think that's such a great point, James. And it just got my gears rolling on something else you said in the IML, which is maybe if you're doing like a like a promo email, let's say, so like, hey, we're having a new podcast or IML does these, you know, to get people to attend the event the day before, you could look at those open rates. So we have one client whose podcast promo open rates are crazy. They're like 50 to 60% our IML registration emails are like 40 to 50%. 
you could look at that and say, oh, I should do a podcast promo email. I should do a event promo email, but it's really the content that they're after. It's not the email itself. So that's such a great point. Yeah. And like, yeah, the podcast is a great example because nobody cares about the email. None of the readers give a heck about that email. <laughs> no one gives they, a toot. Yeah, yeah. You say toot here, James. Oh, no one gives a toot. Um, yeah, so they just care about, they see the email and they're like, it has the name of the podcast. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, heck, oh, toot. That's right. I'm not, like, I'll go some, and you know, the thing is with that open rate, that's not even what we're looking at. This is kind of a side conversation, but we're not looking at the open rate of the email. We're looking at the listens of the podcast. Mm-hmm within that first 12 hours after sending the email, because at that point, it's the only way we've promoted the podcast. So, cause some people see the email, presumably don't even open it, just go to Spotify and listen to the podcast. Some people see the email, don't even open it, go to Apple music, listen to the, or Apple podcasts, or I don't use Apple, so I don't know what it's called, but um, you know, there's the goal, the distinct goal has nothing to do with um, you know, the body text of the email, like that's, that's really secondary. Mm -hmm. Um, It's all about delivering value to an audience that you own. Yeah. Jim, I think you made such a great point on utility and value. Cause like, think about like what else is in people's inbox, right? Like it's their boss yelling at them. Uh, it's their spouse asking them to pick up maybe somebody from the grocery store. If people email their spouses, I probably not, but, (laughs) uh, but like, you know, like, my email box probably has like five cold messages from salespeople that I never want to talk to. Um, you know, I got emails from HubSpot. I have emails like reminders from like, here's a Dropbox thing or like, you know, training for work or, you know, like my, it's just full of junk a lot of times. And I think what you said is really key though, that a lot of companies are putting out a lot of junk in their emails. And so writing a good email is hard, but if you can write a good email, you're like way ahead of everybody. And then you have to think like if people are on their phone with their email, like you're just one, you know, thumb movement away from, you know, your Google email to your LinkedIn or to TikTok or to Reddit, you know, and going into those apps where there's good content that people want to like interact with. So you have a, a lot of competition with email to make good. So it's either do good email or just don't do email. Yeah, I think that that premise you just said, Brendan, scares companies. So not just marketers, like marketers, especially forward thinking ones might be thinking, heck yeah, like no more email. I would love that. But if they went to their boss and said that they'd be like, nice try, you know? So what James, like, what would you do in that situation? Like you're an in-house marketer. Um, you're like, our email newsletter is not good. You know, our, our promos are not good. Like just the way that we approach email from a strategy perspective and then an execution perspective is not good. And your boss says, well, we can't stop doing email though. It's free, first of all. And we have, let's say 5,000 subscribers. Like, I don't want that to just go away. If you're new, if you're looking at your newsletter and you're like, man, or your email marketing strategy and, and tactics and everything that you're doing on email and you're like, this just sucks. Like we're get, we're going nowhere. You know, we're spinning our wheels. We're wasting time doing something we don't want to do. We are finding that it's not working. Um, you know, what's probably happening is you're all mailing it in. Um, that's what most companies do. 
is because it's a free channel, um, they treat the process of creating the email like it's free. You know, like good content takes time and effort. Um, so it's just like really crappy LinkedIn posts, right, Mary and James? It's like, yeah, come see yes. our trade show booth. Here's, you know, here's, you know, Bob eating a bunch of hot dogs at the company picnic without providing yeah. any actual value to their audience. If you, mm-hmm. if you guys heard that click, that was me clicking my pen because I just wrote that note down that James just said, because it's free, companies feel like they can mail it in and treat it like it's free to do content there. They can email That's, it. That was awesome. Yeah. And so the, and the thing is, it sh- it won't take you too long. Like, let's say you've been at the company long enough to be like, man, our email strategy is bonkers. Like it is bad. It shouldn't take you long enough to, to, to find something that's like, okay, well, what if we did this totally differently? What if we did it this way? You know, you, all you have to do is ask yourself like, well, what would be a cool way to do this? Mm-hmm. You know, because like you all say, it's, it's just a, dis, it's a distribution channel. It's not, um, you know, it doesn't have to feel more complicated. You can open yourself up to the idea that you can do something different than just, you know, link to the blog that you posted um, about, you know, prepping people for your new product launch or, you know, there's other things you can do. You can link to a podcast. You can just provide genuine utility in in an email message. You can aggregate news in your industry. Yeah, like content in the feed. Oh my gosh. Like (laughs) I, the newsletters that people read are basically aggregations of high level news that those are the most read newsletters in like daily life. You know, I mean, yeah. Look at like, uh, like, what is it like daily brew? Um, yeah. you know, all those, yeah. like all those types of art, you know, the, the skin I think is yeah. the one that, yeah, yeah. um, yeah. a lot of people read and Robin hood snacks. Like, yeah, all those are just, aggregations. yeah. Yeah. And your industry probably doesn't have one of those yet. Right. And yeah. it would not be that freaking hard. Mm-hmm. To make one, if you have someone with deep customer knowledge about what's important to your customers, where they like to consume information, um, even if you like consuming information, say like, I like reading Harper's magazine. Do I go onto Harper's website and scroll through everything and read it immediately? No. If someone sent me an email that was like, here's the coolest stuff that Harper's has published in the last month. I'd be like, okay, man, maybe I'll subscribe to this and not even subscribe yeah. to Harper's. Um, you know, you could think about, do, you know, if you pay a lot of attention to how you can cite that kind of stuff and how you have to treat that from a, you know, not plagiarizing standpoint, um, you could be the person in your industry that does something like that. There's all kinds of things you could do, um, but it does take sitting down and, telling yourself that you don't have to do it the same boring, lifeless way um, that you're doing it. You just have to try and it will take work and it will take more time. You know, whatever time you allot to producing those emails now, it will take you more time Mm -hmm. to do a good one. You know, everyone needs to know that it will take you a lot more time. Um, So um, I think the first thing you need to start doing if you're like, oh my gosh, email sucks, is not go and say, 
um, to your boss, oh, we shouldn't do email anymore because our email newsletter sucks. Part of your job is to make it good. Um, So, you know, you should really start taking it more seriously, I think. Mm. That's awesome. Nice. So, James, let's talk about actually writing an email now. Let's like, how do you, how do you go? Like, let's talk about like, you know, this like aggregation side of things, like, you know, going and finding content and then writing about it. So maybe like, you know, people have to go and do their own research to find their own content, but how would you go about putting that email together? What is the the James Beckman proven process, step-by-step, you know, trademark, copywritten, how do you do an email? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, step one is going to be building the customer understanding if you don't have it yet. So we, no one should get ahead of themselves there, but that's the first um, time that's been said on this podcast. Not <laughs> <laughs> right. Not. Uh, so, I mean, but let's say you're like, okay, another week, another t- time for another email. Um, I mean, reading mm-hmm. step one, if you're, if you're going to be aggregating, you know, news, you have to do a ton of reading. Mm-hmm. Um, And I think that, you know, 80% of the time you spend on that email should probably be reading. Um, And in terms of your process, what I would say is like, if you're delivering something like that weekly or monthly subject line, just whatever you call that newsletter. Yeah. I mean, literally the subject line being like the, you know, plastic update, you know, or you know, metal fab update and date it. I mean, like literally just make it official and obvious and transparent that this is what the utility is. This is what I'm delivering to you very consistently. Um, You know, maybe you write a headline for like, if there's a trend, you know, if, oh my gosh, there's a lot of news about X, you know, you write like folks are talking about X. Mm-hmm. is part of the you know the subject. I don't think you need to make that more complicated. What you need to do is just make sure that you know you give people some amount of utility. So if I'm updating people on metal fab news, you know, I might say like and I'm showing the fact that I don't work with any metal fab clients because I don't <laughs> know any of these publications but like um you know, I don't know, Alloy Alloy Weekly says you know, they've reported a 80% change in where American manufacturers are sourcing their metal, you know, and then you just, you link to that story, direct people there. Yeah. They don't need to go to your site. They don't, they just need to know that you are a source for them. Um, you know, and if you're doing something like that, I would say, don't direct them to your site. If you're not producing the utility on your website that you're delivering to the customers in an email, just send them elsewhere. Yeah. Um, you're there's You'll still nothing. be seen as a thought leader, right? Like exactly. people still see like, oh yeah, this newsletter brought me this news and they provided a, like, here's the highlight of the news piece and here's our opinion on it, but go check out the whole thing for your, you know, so you can get uh, caught up on it. Yeah. Yeah. If your goal is just being top of mind, you should not be selling anything. You should not mm-hmm. be, um, you know, bothering with any of that because, um, that's not your goal. If your goal is to sell in the email, I just think it's, you're going to have a really, 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 really hard time. Yeah. Um, I, you know, you're going to be, you're going to be spinning your wheels, but 
you know, if you're not aggregating news and you're actually trying to deliver value, um, I think your process should be what, what expertise could my, my company sell its customers this week? And I'm just going to give that away. Um, is it an experience with customer success that someone had that you could reproduce? Um, is it, you know, an engineering problem that, that was solved with a customer? I mean, make it like just a small story that is helpful and actionable points customers to a way they could do their job better. Um, if you can do that and consistently be helpful, people will love your newsletter. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I don't think you need to necessarily just always do news. Like you can bring in people's LinkedIn posts, podcast episodes, memes, Reddit posts. Like you're not just limited to Alloy News Weekly, right? Like there's a lot of great information that is not officially published by anything. And it's just, you know, but link to like, like we could do one for IML and like link to Mary's LinkedIn post or link to an article James did, right? Like, or link to an IML episode. Videos, yeah. YouTube. Videos, oh, yeah. Video? Yeah. TikTok, right? Heck Memes. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, I think that the benefit that you get from, from choosing a, a method, like say you were like really just delivering news, the benefit you get from choosing a method and sticking with it is that the utility is really transparent and obvious. Um, and you build a lot of momentum that way. Um, but like that's, that's just by no means the only good quote unquote newsletter. And, um, you know, plenty of the best ones have a lot of different types of content in them. And I think the only thing that you'd want to do differently in that case is just tell people the type of benefit that they're going to get right. in the subject line, put video in the subject line, mm-hmm. you know, do people that not want to watch a video not open it? That's fine. That's totally fine. You're not, your success and failure is not the open rate of a single email. Your success and failure is the growing subscriber list, the number of people that want more of your content and feel like they're being treated well by your company. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I, yeah, tell people like, hey, we're sharing in one of our engineers' TikToks. People will open the email. I mean, anyone that wants that benefit will open the email. Just tell them what they're going to get. I have um, a good follow-up to this because I love this conversation. So um, you're like an in-house marketer and you want to do this at your company, but you're realizing the path to success is filled with obstacles because you know, you're know you not a subject matter expert. You don't read. You don't know a lot of the news sources that an ideal buyer might use to stay up to date on that um, vertical. Do you outsource it? I think you probably have, you probably could outsource this just because you're not the SME, right? I think we like to say, you know, you don't really want to outsource your writing because you have the SMEs in house, right? It's like, how is a, how's an outsource writer going to be able to really provide that as, as much valuable knowledge as your SME. But if you're just aggregating, news across, like, I, I think you could probably outsource that. Or, you know, at least putting the email together and maybe like you provide, like have one of your SMEs provide a piece for that newsletter to that person that outsources it. I mean, I think you need to, I think it comes down to a lot of things that aren't content related. Um, you know, outsourcing something like that has a cost. It does. And um, how big is your list? 
what are your, you know, what are your goals? Um, how expensive is your product? Mm -hmm. You know, um, what is like, what's one conversion that email influenced in a year worth to you, you know, because if you're going to have a really hard, I mean, not a really hard, you're going to have a pretty much impossible time tying a business result to an email. These people, their, their first touch point of view was not probably that maybe it was that an email got forwarded to them. Maybe it was, if so, you're writing a fire newsletter. Mm -hmm. Um, but most likely these are people that are familiar with your company that were familiar with your company. You're going to have a hard time getting software or even an open text. Like how did you hear about us field to say that this deal was because of email. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's probably, it's worth thinking about like, well, what's the cost of this and what, what would the result need to be for it to be worth it? Because if you have a list of 400 people, and you outsource production of the email so that you can get, you know, better open rates, deliver better content, um, get it into someone's hands who has the time and willingness and skill to do it. Um, but you're sending it to 500 people and it's still, it's still just a, this is a, it's not a channel that converts people. So you know, you need to be really honest about what your actual goals are. Um, because otherwise I think, you know, you shouldn't be spending a whole bunch of money on email in my opinion. And you, you have the time, <laughs> you just don't have the willingness. It's like, every time someone says they don't have time for something, it's like, everyone has the same amount of time in their day. People just have different levels of willingness to do different things. And, um, you know, if you, if you feel like you don't have time to do email, what you lack is someone on the team who wants to do email. Um, so I think you have a different problem than you might think you do. Um, if you're thinking about outsourcing email. That does get tricky though, James, with a lot of people in our audience, right? From with small marketing teams where, you know, that marketing manager might be the only person there doing any marketing, right? So now we're talking like trying to run a demand gen program, trying to like create like a recurring uh, content piece, you know, doing blogs, articles, and like doing sales enablement like that, that person's capacity gets used up pretty quick. And now, like, I think there's a question on, you know, is it worth it for that person to do uh, a really nice newsletter for a list of a thousand people, or is it more cost effective to outsource it? Right, because there's an opportunity cost here too. Yeah, I guess like the follow up would be, uh, well, you know, what's your company's overhead, and why are you a one person team? You know, so you know that's a, I. Because of my, you guys have all worked in house at marketing companies. That's not what my background is. Um, so like a lot of the, the companies are companies that I, you know, just from seeing, you know, some of the numbers, you know, you wonder how, how you, how you have a one person marketing team, how did that ever, how that, that continues to feel like a good thing. Because companies um, spend, you know, 
one yeah. percent of their yeah. revenue on marketing. Less yeah, than one percent. <laughs> um, well, if, if you include a salary, maybe it's a little higher. But um, yeah, I, I'll tell you when I was in house, we, I just didn't do a recurring newsletter. I didn't. I didn't have the time to do it. And so, like, I had like you know, I did one offs every now and then. Uh, but there was no sort of like recurring schedule where it's like every month I'm doing this. It'd be nice to get to that point, but I just didn't have the time. And I didn't have and to your, James to your point, I didn't have the willingness because I didn't think it was going to be that effective of a channel for me. Yeah, I think a, an example of when outsourcing maybe makes sense is we have a we have a client who has a newsletter, and this is not a newsletter that we produce for them. Um, but one of their newsletters is a market report. Um, this company is a trader, so that the expertise in that market report is some stuff that they use to do their job um, and some expertise that they actually get from a third party. Mm-hmm. So they have a, real, a business relationship already with just an expert in their commodity that they trade. Well, that's already expertise that they're purchasing um, and it's useful for them, but it's, it would also be really useful for their customers. And it's something that they share with their customers in individual conversations all the time, that level of expertise. Um, but they use email to share it at scale. So they just change that business relationship, right. From being one where this person delivers information just for us to this person delivers information to us in a package with the agreement that we're going to also send this via email. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's packaged up to be useful in an email. Um, you know, it's like, that is kind of, that's a great example of like outsourcing email in a way that works. You know, you get it in the hands of the exact right person. Um, but part of what makes it make sense for them, given the size of their list, given, you know, emails tendency not to be the thing that converts someone into giving you a call and purchasing, you know, large amounts of a commodity or huge capital equipment um, is that it's a business relationship that they already have. Um, you know, so if you're a market marketing team of one, um, I think like, like you said, Brendan, in a lot of cases, it probably doesn't make sense. It's not the most effective thing you can do with your time or the thing that's going to help you earn more budget. Um, so, but think about like what assets you have like creatively think about what assets you actually have, you know, do what business relationships do you have with people? Do you have any customers that would be great people to do this? Um, do you have any, you know, cause I'd hesitate to just send it out to like an email marketing agency. Yeah. Um, you know, even like even gorilla, I think that it's hard. I think you need to have a, it's really hard to, to track ROI on that. And, you know, you're, you're paying quite a lot. So Mm -hmm. I I think you do have to be really careful. You don't just waste budget on a channel that you're never going to be able to prove value in a meeting. That's such a great point. Like if you are that small marketing team, you know, you need to critically start assessing the channels that are most valuable for your time. So if you are a marketing team of one to three and you're doing social media trade shows, um, print ads, 
email. It's, it's too much. You can't do all of that effectively. So you need to start building your case. Like that's probably the first thing you should do in 2023. We have a couple of people doing that in our IML community right now. They're trying to build a case against trade shows because they're a small marketing team. And all of the data that they're seeing is indicating that trade shows are not worthwhile for them, at least the way that the company insists on doing them. So they're like, I don't want to spend any more time here. Here's the data that I'm seeing. You guys are telling me these trade shows are awesome and they're not. Do the same thing with your email. You know, if you if you're like, I need to start spending more time um, posting organic social media content, um, maybe even creating videos for YouTube. Start building your case. Start building your case for why email is no longer a channel where you should be dedicating quite as much of your time. So to James's point, don't just say, hey, boss, our email strategy sucks. Like, Make sure you're building that case and then coming there with a solution. Mm-hmm. James, is there any other specific like writing tips that you want to impart to the audience here? Um, not really. I think like, do we like, uh, do we like long emails or short emails? I think readers like short emails, Mm -hmm. but I think that, um, but that, that question is kind of asked in a vacuum and the right length is the length that provides the most utility and value to the customer. Um, so, you know, I think, my my primary like i my primary the primary thing that i think about when it comes to email is not necessarily a tip but like a just i implore people to not skip to you know reading about conversion psychology and click the heuristics that determine if someone clicks through and the heuristics that determine that determine if someone scrolls to the bottom Um, and because, because no one's delivering content that's valuable yet. It's like, you have to start with delivering content. That's really valuable. People don't open the email because you had something slick in the headline. And if they do, how much was that worth for your company? You know, how much was it worth for, for your company, for them to click through because of your slick headline? and read content that is not good enough. Right. They'll do that one time, right? They'll no, read the exactly. exactly. read the exactly. headline, subject line, go into the email, see that it's shit. And then <laughs> yep. they're never going to open it again, right? Because that, that's the brain that you created, right? Is really crappy emails with slick headlines, with clickbait headlines that no one's going to open again. Yeah. Your subscriber list should be growing slowly. <laughs> it is something that you really have to earn and you don't earn it with um with constant like psychology tricks like that are used in sales emails the Mm -hmm. headline asks a question that you're supposed to answer no to it's like all the stuff i learned when i was selling door to door is like the stuff that people do in emails and it is awful and that's why we hate it so much and it's all it's all things that if you looked up how to get a better open rate on emails or how to write better subject lines, how to write better preview text. If you just looked that stuff up in a vacuum and started optimizing for like a 2% better open rate via subject writing, like you are doing all of the wrong things. Yeah. Because you're 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 not even putting the cart before the horse. You're you're just like it's like a trick. Because at the end of the day, the email 
a person's inbox at their, especially at their work is a to-do list. And the things that are in it that don't provide utility are the worst things in that person's day. You know, like the part of your day where you're just like, man, I have to delete all these Adobe emails. I have to delete all these HubSpot emails. I have to, it's like, it's stupid. It's you, you could end up being the company who just sends stupid emails. And the the way to not do that is not by writing a better subject line or writing better preview text. It's about delivering better content. Mm. Um, That would be my, that would be my tip is just begging people to, to make better content before they think about optimizing that next 2% of an open rate. Um, but I, it's advice that I know will be shunned by, by many a department just because it's hard. It's so much easier to write a slick headline that takes advantage of fear of loss heuristics, you know, it's so much easier to do that than it is to deliver consistently good content. It is hard. Mm-hmm. So um, I would say do the hard thing because it's the only thing that's going to actually be worth it. Um, I guess like, I know that in the notes you had mentioned potentially talking about CTAs. And the only thing I have to say about a CTA is it doesn't seem like CTAs are you know, it's cool to get people to click through to your website, but these are people that are already familiar with your company. Yeah. They've already asked for the newsletter. Um, that's not the most, like for me, that doesn't seem like the most desirable outcome. Um, but like a CTA that you never see is like, do you know anyone that would benefit from getting this that's, newsletter? Like if you're delivering really valuable content, like if you really believe that you're delivering utility, tell people like, Hey, if this is valuable to you and you think it'd be valuable to someone else, just share it. Yeah. I mean, just share it with people. Um, you know, I know some of the most successful newsletters have giveaways when people refer enough mm-hmm. subscribers. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just like, that's, that's the easy, that's the quick win stuff. That's that, that's where your big, your big yeah. wins are is getting people that actually like your newsletter to just share it with people. Right. And James, that's, I think a really powerful thing you just said, because I think a lot of times, you know, email is usually relegated to people that, like you said earlier, already know who you are, right. They're already brand aware of your company. And so like they're all, if they're brand aware, they're probably going to be problem and solution and product aware too. But if you write a really good email, the power there is that it is email is easy to share, right? It's easy to forward. And providing good value there in that email and getting it forward to somebody else. Now you start using that as a real distribution channel to people that don't know who you are. Then email turns into a really powerful competitor to social media, right? So yeah, I, th- I think that that's probably the strongest CTA for a newsletter type email there is. Yeah. And the effectiveness of that will, will is the kind of thing that will be determined by that next level of content quality. In terms of, is it engaging? Mm-hmm. Is it entertaining? Is it personal? You know, does it feel like human communication? Those are the things that will bump up the amount that people are like, oh my gosh, I know someone who would like this newsletter. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and again, like it's hard. <laughs> so like 
you know, don't embark on an email project lightly and think that just because you ask people to share it, they will. Um, it's, it is hard. Mm -hmm. You have to, you have to be really dedicated to providing utility really consistently and doing it really well. So, um, but it's totally possible. It just takes an amount of effort that you're not used to dedicating to email. So good, James. Mary, do you have anything else that you want to talk about? No, that was amazing. Yeah. That was a really good conversation. James, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, yeah, so this is the Manufacturing Marketer Podcast. We also have a online web show uh, called Industrial Marketing Live that happens twice a month. Uh, right now we are on, what is it, Mary, the first Tuesday and the last Thursday of the month? Yep. Yep. Um, so that is the current schedule, but we only have one more IML episode, uh, the rest of 2022 happening sometime in December. Um, and then going into January and on, we are going to the first and third Thursdays of every month. Um, so that will be the, the schedule moving forward with IML. Um, join us there. You know, we talk for an hour about a bunch of different topics. We have a ton of topics already lined up, like going into Q2 of next year. We just, uh, keep packing the schedule. So <laughs> there's a lot to talk about. I think we're talking about Google ads. Um, we're going to talk about trade shows again. Um, we have a lot of stuff coming up on, on IML. So join us there. Uh, you can go to industrialmarketinglive.com to register for that. Uh, just a Zoom registration. I uh, hope to join you there. Um, you know, it's just a bunch of industrial marketers uh, that get together and talk about a bunch of different topics in marketing. So it's a, it's a really good time. We enjoy it. Um, and it's a sister show to this podcast. Um, and Mary, let's talk about Slack. Yeah. If you like what you heard here, or you have been attending Industrial Marketing Live and lurking in the background and are like, what is the Slack channel all about? We are officially over 100 members. So we have over 100 industrial marketers um, in our Slack channel where we can kind of workshop problems Mm -hmm. in real time that industrial marketers are having. So this email one, for example, we weren't planning on talking about email in 2022. But so many marketers in that community were asking email questions. So we were like, we have to do an email marketing show. So if you, if that sounds interesting to you, please, please DM Brendan or me, Mary Keo on LinkedIn, and we will get you added. Yeah. Yeah. That channel is so fun. Like we have a lot of people in here talking about things that they want to talk to their leadership about going into 2023. So figuring out the marketing plans, um, people asking questions about how to make their CRMs work better. Um, there's just a lot of, a lot of really good stuff in here. So. Join us in there and yeah, just a bunch of marketers talking tips, tricks, everything that you can do to make your marketing better and how to be more efficient, you know, as a small marketing team. Like I know a lot of you out there are. James, how can, uh, how can people hear more about you? Like, where are you writing? You know, can, how do people like get to know about James and, and the stuff that you're doing? Yeah, I'm pretty, I'm not off the grid by any means, but I think I'm closer to that than, than, uh, than you two are. While I'm not an active LinkedIn poster, I do use it as a messaging tool. Um, so um, you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, and uh, I guess the spelling of the name will probably be in the show notes here. So I don't need to bother spelling it. If I spell it right. Um, yeah. Well, you don't say it right. So <laughs> how do you say it? Buckman. Buckman. Oh, man. There's no you there. There's no, also- you're right. There's no you. You can also, uh, we have a podcast. I have a podcast with Mary as well. Um, so you can listen to Mary, I, and a, and a former colleague of ours, um, and an, and a equally casual podcast called purposeful marketing. Hmm. Um, also on all podcast platforms, I believe. 
Um, yeah, go check out that podcast. Uh, James, I think you have written some stuff on LinkedIn. So go connect with James there. Um, and he's a really great writer. Uh, cool dude. So James, we appreciate you being on the show a lot and being on IML. So we got you for two whole hours. So yeah, it was a delight. Appreciate it. Um, and then I think, James, are you in the Slack group? If you're not, you should, because then people can ask questions about writing emails to you there. Yeah, we, we can work on that. We'll work on that. All right, we'll, work, <laughs> we'll, we'll work, workshop that. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Um, and we will catch you next week. Bye. See y'all.